ESPN. Every Sunday, Tom's always about the culture. The Wop sculpture, recording every Friday. So here we are, waiting on the Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of After Dinner Conversations. We will grab our horns. Um, brothers, how we doing? How we doing? We doing are. Well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Go ahead, Mike. You go first. Yeah, I'm general. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm ready for the summer. Um, I'm ready to. I think I'm trying to get into. Uh, exploring a whole bunch of new experiences um outside of like usual like club restaurants just, just yeah, different yeah. stuff yeah like you know do more ex- tourism type of things um mm-hmm. that's the best way the best the best way i can frame it like you know go to like museums uh, art events you know all these other spaces and things there's so many things that happens in like cities all over the country that you know it doesn't have to be a typical just hitting hitting the club or you know going to a bar or going to a lounge type of thing like, i want to like See if I can interact with, with different communities in different ways and just kind of go through different experiences um, in life. That's nah, that's hopefully, dope. I, hopefully, I wasn't vague. <laughs> nah, that's dope. Nah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like non-conventional like activities essentially. Like not really yeah. say but non non-common like things you would not do on an everyday basis or you have access to do on an everyday basis. Literally, yeah. Yeah, Mike, you got to check out. I think it's called. I'll double check and let you know. But I think it's called Wonder Space in mm. Philly um it's like a dope art gallery museum but i'll definitely double check the name and i'll let you know um but yeah um i'm good i'm so glad to be back home after essentially two full weeks for the most part on the road it's good to be back home um and just you know back to my regular regularly scheduled routine i've been able to explore some dope places foods um different you know environments over the past two weeks, which has been dope, saw some friends, got to reconnect with people I hadn't seen in a while. And I think that's just, you know, a dope part of growing up is, you know, your friends move away, everybody moves to different places. So, you know, you got couches to stay on and, you know, people to go visit and things like that. So that's been a really mm-hmm. great experience. Um, and I'm so glad to, you know, see those folks and see that they're doing well and stuff like that. But also glad to be back because I still have, you know, a city that's home for me now, but, you know, something that I still want to explore a little deeper now that the, the weather is getting a little better so excited for for the summer just like mike said that's dope um yeah i've been high man the weather's been kind of trash the last six or seven days or at least since we last reported and has limited uh us folks out here the ability to move like it was torrential downpours on way to work like started like you know when it rains so hard so fast it starts flooding it was like that type of thing like your shoes probably might be in a couple inches of water but I mean, other than that, it's been all right, man. It's just been work, grinding. I've been doing, doing a lot of grinding at work, trying to um, maintain uh, positive views of myself um, in terms of, like, my work ethic and everything else. And I think I've been doing that really well. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this weekend, though. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, and I am a federal employee in theory or a contractor in some sort of way. So I get Memorial Day off, which is a blessing. And I got some professional development on Tuesday. So I got like a pseudo four-day, five-day weekend going on. So excited for that. I'm excited for that. Um, we are in, what's it, end of March means the playoffs are wrapping up real soon. What month are we in, Steven? End of May. I said March okay. or May. <laughs> so March. <laughs> Bro, that's why I saw you know the fatigue is crazy. I'm telling you, you know, I'm tired. Um, but yeah, end of May, uh, we have... The Celtics in the Heat in the Western Eastern Conference Finals, Mads and Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, blowouts every day. Um, I want to get your thoughts first on the playoffs as a whole, and then I guess what the, your expectations are for the upcoming final series. Oh, um, first, I guess. So finally, I could talk because this is where I really start watching the NBA. Uh, everybody knows that up until you know playoff times, I'm I'm a college basketball dude, but. I've been watching, especially the past, you know, few games, especially since they've been in, you know, the conference finals. It's been very interesting to watch, um, especially that last Celtics Heat game, uh, game four. I think they play again tonight, right? Um, tonight. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Warriors, Mass. Or... Six, five, game five. Game four. Yes. So game five. Yeah, it was five, night, yeah. But yeah, um, I think I watched game four would have been Sunday. 
or Monday, Monday. Um, that was a very interesting game. I'm like, what, what is happening? I knew Tyler Hero was out. I knew Jimmy was playing injured, but I just didn't expect, you know, that blowout to happen the way it did. And I didn't think the Celtics were doing anything spectacular um, on their end as well. So I think, you know, whoever wins that series, which is looking like it's going to be the Celtics, depending on, you know, if folks could heal up and, you know, get back to, to somewhat full strength, um, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but that West Western Conference uh, series, shout out to the Golden State Warriors, man. I think they firing on all cylinders right now. Um, Jordan Poole is playing up. Andrew Wiggins is doing his thing. Um, and obviously, you know, Clay Thompson, you know, Steph Curry always, you know, come to come to play. But got a shout out, um, got a shout out, Kevon Looney. You been hooping? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's what I'm saying. If, if they got Robin Jr., all of those dudes playing, you know, the way they've been playing the past couple games, I they're gonna be hard to beat, bro. They're gonna be hard to beat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hope they win. But as Steven, everybody knows I'm a big Steph Curry fan. Um, <laughs> and I no shame about it. And I, I've been I've been in the way since honestly since he started going off in like 2011, 2012, since I was in high school. I've been a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm so hopefully I'm hoping for him to win. But as far as like the playoff goal, yeah, they, these blowouts are pretty nasty from a fan perspective because they're, yeah. they're they're they seem random and they're like very unusual compared to even like even the bubble year and stuff mm-hmm. like this. The bubble year was the most competitive playoffs, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone's coming back from three one leads. Jamal Murray, Don Mitchell trading 50-point games. Like, you know, it was like people were going crazy. Um, So, I don't know. Maybe – I don't know what it is about this year that's so different or why the schedule is so different, why teams are so tired or so beat down. Like, teams – everybody's getting injured every series. Marcus Smart in and out of the hospital every other day <laughs> trying to, like, you know, make his ankle, make, make his leg work. Um, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully the finals can be, like, um, as, as we expect the finals to be, too. Hopefully it's not, like, these blowout stuff, culture continues. Yeah, I feel like – the blowouts, like you mentioned, have definitely been uh, uneventful and I guess kind of unca- and uncharacteristic of the playoffs, especially if you're supposed to be the best two teams left at each conference going head to head. Uh, shouldn't be that many blowouts. Um, I found myself that if a team is up 15 or 20, I open my laptop and start, start playing Elden Ring and then casually watching in the background um, because I don't know what else I'm, I'm watching. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's I like this. I like this. You know, I like I like basketball with basketball theme. Outside, note, we started a pickup basketball at work uh, last week. Well, this week actually. First day was Wednesday. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you, so you, so you've been hooping. We gotta stop the stop the question and ask if you've been hooping. Oh no, I've been hooping. I've been hooping. But this is my first time hooping. I think two and a half. See, weeks, so. see, now, now we got the excuses too. Oh, because the thing is, yo, <laughs> now, now it's gonna be consistent. It's gonna be minimum once a week moving forward because we're. I got. Well, we had like what we was only doing three on threes the other day, but mm-hmm. I was talking to one of the my employees, most some of the guys on my other team, and he was telling me dudes who used to play like even before I came that you know I should just reach out to because there's like a work chat, but you know right. people don't people don't always read the work chat. So like today while I was in the office, I was just scoping out dudes. If we was eye level, I'm like, yo, I heard you used to play um <laughs> in the basketball room, like in the in the in the court with everybody, like oh. I don't know, I'm too competitive. I'm like, oh, yeah, we need that, yo. Come next Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So I've been hitting people. I hit people on teams. I'm like, yeah, I haven't talked to you in a couple of months. How you doing? I remember you say you like to ball. Like, I'm I'm trying to – because we have a lot of people, like, not a lot, but we have a good amount of people who low-key used to play, like, in college or, you know, they play in adult leagues, and they're they nice. Like, they're decent. Mm-hmm. Even my, my old manager, she won't play anymore because she got hurt. But, like, she used to play at um, – at one of the universities here in Kentucky, and they tell me story. She was, I really wanted to see her play once, but she was, mm-hmm. like, I'm talking about coming down, like Renee, Renee Montgomery type, like, do, 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 like crazy. So, I don't know, there's some folks who like, who who gotten hurt at work and they're like, ah, I'm not playing no more. So, I'm trying to get those ones, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, trying to make the work experience the best possible. So, yes, side note, Stephen getting back to hoops. And I was right. crushing yesterday, and I was hitting threes every. Ooh, I was shooting. I watched the YouTube video. I changed my shot a little bit. I feel better now. But side note, side note, side note. Anyway, <laughs> NBA playoffs. Um, looking like a Warriors Celtics finals. Um, unfortunate for the Heat. Hate to see it for my guy Jimmy Butler, but it's not looking good for them. Um, mm-hmm. Mavs. You know, Luca got his one game. That's honorable. I think the Warriors are probably going to pack him up in Game Five, if not Game Six. But we'll we'll see if I'm wrong when y'all listen to this pod. 
And um, we get a week off before the finals, which would be, I guess, a sad but good breather because I want good basketball. So I want everybody to be well rested. I want everybody to drink their milk and stretch their knees out and do whatever they got to do. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, switching gears into cocktail hour. I'll keep on NBA first before we go to our next cocktail hour. Um, we didn't talk about this that much, but um, ever since the playoffs have been winding down, Patrick Beverly has been a frequent feature on First Take and I guess the other NBA shows as well. Get Up, uh, NBA Count, not NBA Countdown. What's the other show they got? NBA Today, Mike, I think? Yeah, NBA Today. Yeah. Um, somewhat controversial, depending on who you ask. Um, he's, you know, if you know Patrick Beverly, he's very blunt. He's kind of straightforward about what he thinks. Uh, the first time he was on was the day after the Suns lost to the Mavericks, and he went on a basically a CP3 rant, uh, calling him a cone, which me and Corey laughed about before the call, for at least about a day or two. Um, got pushed back from some guys like Matt Barnes and stuff like that. I think Dame and Katie tweeted some things, but he's been a frequent um, guest, I want to say, over at least the last two weeks. I wanted to get your thoughts on him, I guess, as an analyst, and I guess kind of like his... I guess you could call it entertainment style because all those sports shows are somewhat entertainment for the masses. I like him as an analyst. Um, what he brings as an analyst, though, outside of, of course, being an NBA, current NBA player, is um, his, like, his, his rawness, I think, mm -hmm. like his truth-telling, you know, his directness, um, things we don't see from like you know, other pundits, sports pundits, entertainers, or you know that we that we see every on the big sports channels. Um, now, what I personally think is Chris Paul rents were kind of border, borderline, if not more so, hating a little bit. Like you know, we can be critical. You know, we can we can we can acknowledge when you know people miss the mark or fall fall beneath the fall beneath the standard. But you know, it's all like you know, going with traffic going like that's like you know, that's like you. That's why you just own them like a little. It was a little too hard. He's like, you know. But, yeah. Hey, but he, you know, he asked a good question to to his credit about um why doesn't Chris Paul get the same type of slander that other superstars get? Mm -hmm. You know, because then you know if this was James Harden, this was LeBron, this was Paul George, like you know all these other people we know from the past. Uh, like if this was them in that same situation, you know, being a leading star on the sixty four win team, then losing mm -hmm. to um with all due respect to, to the Maverick, losing to a lesser team in terms yeah. of quality and talent. Um, you know, it's. You know, I don't have an answer for that either, but I like him. Um, he probably needs more TV training, like down the line, like, you know, to really get like used to kind of just the flow of the conversation to be. I think he's still like, you know, I don't know if his like debating, not, 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 not like in some, I don't know if his debating is like up there where like, you know, where like other like, I see ESPN, so other like Stephen A, JJ Reddick. Mm -hmm. Jay Williams, Caper, I can name them all. Like, you know, when they come on, Monica, Monica, like when they all come on, like, you know, they, they, they have, they, you know, they've been doing it for a while. So it just seems like there's a difference between like his execution about his, his, mm -hmm. his points mm -hmm. and his, his debates. But I think that he has a lot of promise. And more players should become um, commentators and analysts. They, they've done well. I'm not going to name, we all know the great examples, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not Ryan Hollins, of course. <laughs> You know, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this don't forget, man. I've, I've watched ESPN for the last almost two decades, man. I've seen everybody who's come through, bro. It's been some, some. I don't say. It. Go ahead. <laughs> um. No. So I mean, I haven't watched too too much. I think you know a lot of the rant and the clips surrounding the rant were um the things that really stuck out to me in terms of his presence um in the past couple weeks. But I think I think to Mike's point. You know, I think current players especially just offer a unique perspective because, you know, they know what's happening, you know, once the cameras go off. They know what's happening in the locker rooms at practice and you know, all those conversations. So I think they have a unique perspective in terms of him being a full time analyst. I don't know. I think, you know, sometimes it's just hard to see when you only see small clips. Um, I think, you know, as a guest or, you know, maybe I think now there's a lot of platforms, you know, on like YouTube and things like that, that focus on sports that aren't, you know, the mainstream, you know, TNT or ESPN that allows him to still have that rawness and that authenticity, you know, without having to sort of adapt to what mainstream, you know, analysts, sports analysts look like. Um, so I think, you know, that's probably where I see it a little bit more, but I think, you know, he definitely brings a unique perspective. And I think 
you know, depending on the show, depending on the co-host, you know, it could it could be a fit, you know, somewhere down the line for sure. Mm-hmm. I hear you on that. Uh, I, I like him. Uh, so much of my, I think he's a little too brash in his CP3 hate, which is fairly obvious. I don't think he denies it either. So I think that kind of helps that he at least is being honest that there's some hate there. And he told the story at least um, why his hate is there. Um, but no, nah, I think I enjoy it. Uh, no disrespect, but I prefer him over Kendrick Perkins um Matt Barnes to a degree as well I think I prefer him over any other well he's a current player right now but most other like player analysts besides maybe JJ Redding and I think JJ Redding is like he came on and he just hit the ground running he's exceptional um I think in the future I would be really dope to see like a JJ Redding Pat Bev type show it doesn't need to be like first take necessarily it could be more now, I'll make more podcast style or maybe kind of like how Jalen Jacoby got their thing going. It could be something like that. I don't know. But I, I like their dynamic, and I think they have immense respect for each other, even though it looks like they disagree on a lot of different things. And I, I like that because they're both really good orators. Like, they both speak real clearly, and they articulate their words really well, and they don't leave a lot of room for interpretation. Like, Pat Bev always clarifies, like, okay, we're, are we talking about this? Like, let's make sure this is what we're talking about. And, J.J. Ray does the same thing as well. I think both of them do a real good job of not, like, going off on tangents, which Stephen A. does a lot before he starts talking about something. Like, we're talking, we're, like, I've seen the other day, talking about James Harden. He was talking about Chris Paul's contract, what's the rest with John contract, John Wall's contract, and then he leaves 20 seconds in to talk about Harden. And, like, it's like he's going in a circle where I just tackle that main point. I think that's what people are looking for. Um, but, yeah, no, nah, it's been refreshing. I think sometimes you just need new faces, so. Like, Corey, I don't know if it's a mainstay, but I think there's potential in the future. And um, I, I I think I told Mike this. I hadn't watched First Take in months, 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 months. When I seen the clip of the CP3, I was like, this this, this was just entertainment. So I had to go watch. And it was indeed entertainment. So, um, yeah, I mean, good luck to him, man. Because um, I, I like how current players, uh, Draymond, of course, uh, Duncan Robinson, I think he does. They all have in their kind of their own media platforms, and they don't all necessarily talk about basketball strictly, but they talk about things they want. I think it's cool to see that from players. Ooh, there you go. But um, no, nah, that was good. Um, I'm gonna stay on cocktail hour for a second because there has been horrific events um, in the world. Well, there's horrific events all the time, but it was a real horrific event in Uvalde. I hope I'm saying that right. Uvalde, Texas. Uh, this week or within the last week where I believe 18 children were killed, three adults um, at an elementary school in Texas. Um, there were reports that the gunman is a, or some reports, but it's been established that the gunman was a 18 year old boy who went in there with an AR-15, which is basically an assault rifle for those of you who don't know, and began shooting kids and teachers. Um, which is naturally one of the reasons why I think it's kind of even hard for us to pod today. Because uh, we were all in Connecticut at the time when Sandy Hook happened. Uh, I think we all have very vivid memories of how it was like after Sandy Hook being in Connecticut. And even just that day and those weeks afterwards were really like terrible, terrible like <laughs> days. Um, and I think considering the fact that Sandy Hook is almost, it was almost 10 years since today, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, it happened in 2012, or at the, I want to say it was fall of 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that, yeah, something around around 10 years, yeah, around a decade. We're approaching that, um, most of mm-hmm. those kids and, and who went to Sandy Hook would have been in high school by now, so um, I think it's a very, it's a very tragic thing. I want to make sure I extend my condolences to the family. Um, that bit, who've lost, you know, their kids or their wives or their loved ones, and and no, so you know, small. Um, I can't even imagine that type of hurt um, happening to people. Um, but I want to give y'all the floor as well um, to say anything. Y'all want to say something? Mike, what are your thoughts? I'm interested being being in Texas now. You know, I don't know how far you know it is in proximity to you, but I don't know if if the the state has made any you know particular announcements or anything like that. Right. No, they really haven't been. They have I mean, they've been doing conferences, but the conferences have been going well. Um, it, 
it was it's, it's like two hours from me um to the west like 80 miles west of, of san antonio and um i think it kind of goes back into my just my general perspective of the state of this country as a society um i think that the leaders of the united states i don't like to just use like you know america because it's too it's too like um aggregating like the leaders of the united states and state federal level municipality town level you name it um for decades now they've had a culture of prioritizing soulless profit um for servicing corporations and their needs in order to fund their own campaigns and fund their own lifestyles or you know get ahead in their own political games advance their career um and i think that now that it's been 10 years and like Steve said, you know, I was in Danbury High School, 10 minutes, 10 15 minutes away from Newtown. Yeah. Um, I played against some of those high school kids in preseason in football. Um, I went to thereafter, you know, seeing the, I went to Newtown the, um, the fall after senior cap and for a preseason game in Newtown and, you know, clearly seeing the aftermath of the, the community, how much they rallied together, uh, how much, you know, it changed just the whole, whole Connecticut, honestly, but that's oh, wow. uh, Sandy Hook in Newtown specifically. Um, and to be 10 years now and then, you know, a few hours from me now, there's, you know, even more children or even similar numbers of children shot to death um, by a 18 year old young male uh, who got his hands on a gun. Again, it's kind of seemed like we live in the same society that doesn't want to repent or actually address real needs or material needs, you know. Because, um, like, you know, Corey asked, like, what's, is there any announcement to me? I mean, they've been, the police haven't had a straight record yet of what happened. And a lot of people, especially in, in um, where the incident happened, a lot of people, of course, have questions about the time span that passed, but why was there an hour that went by? So that's just where people don't understand, like, what what was the, like, the protocol, what was the reasoning, what was the explanation, and they haven't had gotten those answers yet. Um, so this, as more information comes out, as, you know, parties look to, safe face, some people looking safe face, um, because I think right now, as quickly as, as I've seen it, I know a lot of people don't like to pay attention to like what politicians say, because I feel like they know that sometimes they're talking points and like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're just saying that just to say it um, type of thing. Um, you know, it always, it never, it never leaves me that I would see them make these talking points about, oh, it's not guns, it's mental health, it's not guns, it's this, it's whatever other BS reason that they say. Um, and I just can't believe the kind of audacity to like insult our intelligence, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. um, to, to just frequently lie to your face about, because they know what the solution is. But for people who don't, for our audience, not people, but for our audience who don't really like, you know, or not, don't really follow politics and policy, like, you know, if they were to restrict guns or ban AR 15, that means gun manufacturers cannot profit off of this. Mm -hmm. And gun manufacturers and gun lobbyists are the ones, like, you know, uh, people don't, I don't think people understand the extent or how much money gets moved through campaign financing or through politics in general. Yeah. Um, NRA and other, they're handling you know, millions and millions of dollars. Like, they're millions. Like, that's a lot of money, <laughs> like, you know, to fund a campaign uh, so that these governors, these House representatives, state legislators, you know, even uh, some president, whoever, like, you know, no matter where you are politically, like, you know, so that they're involved, that they're gun-friendly policies, that these things keep going on so they can keep manufacturing, so they can keep making profit, because every time there's a mass shooting, what happens, usually in the United States, there's also a gun-buying boom that happens right after it. Um, yeah. That as it, yeah, every single time. You know, we, we lived through the 2010s, that was probably the bloodiest mass shooting 10 years, I've, you know, yet in, 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 like, the country's history, um, and it happened every time, and so, it's not like I'm numb to it. I just, I feel like I, yeah, that's devastating. Um, this is a horrible thing. Like, you know, it's like, I just feel like as someone who wants to be like a policy leader, like, you know, and, and if I was in that, if I was in the position of like a legislator, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, what, what policy would have made it to that this person didn't choose to do this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, cause like my, my philosophy, my policy and political philosophy is just complete opposite of like, you know, this, this was like, this wasn't preventable. Like, you know, cause they, a lot of Republicans are coming out and they're saying that, you know, you can't stop evil people from doing evil things. You know, you can't, you know, if you, someone wants to see hypothetically, you know, but you know, Steven wants to, you know, pick up a gun and go shoot someone down the street. There's no one stopping Steven from doing that. I just don't believe that, you know, I just don't believe that's just like a end all be all thing that we, we have to take our hands off. Cause that seems pretty ridiculous. Um, and so 
you know, I don't like, I, I just wonder how much of it is it going to be a breaking point for the common people across the country, you know, because yeah. you know, this is not, this is something people be, be have not stopped talking about, but let's just happen 10 days after the Buffalo shooting happened, which we talked about literally. like an episode, literally an episode, two ago. episode. Yeah. 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 And so, I don't know, man. This it's like the census violence to death, the history that of the United States that always has that type of stuff on happening on these soils. I mean, I, I don't like real change isn't gonna come unless our values and our morals change, you know, our ethics change. Mm-hmm. And not just and not just us. I mean, like you know, because people we we all I feel like we often put the blame on people, on everyday people, but like you know, not everyday people that has the power to stop AR-15s from being produced. Like you know, that's the people who are who are elected. We know they are supposed to have that representative power, and so. It's just like a tough situation to navigate through, but I still believe that you always have to rebuke the devil when you see it. So we have to be as direct as possible um, to move forward. And um, there was already like I think I feel like I've heard two arrests of like someone trying to bring guns to high schools. Yeah, like, I, I think one, one one in Texas and then somewhere else. Yep, twenty four hours after, not even. Yeah. Then I, I just uh, just to end my statement. I just, you know if they they don't if they like you know if they want to do something they would have like you know they would have did it after when we were in high school. Oh, well, look at us now. We're in our mid twenties and we're still talking about uh, a terrible situation like this happening. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I think I think it's tough and you know as as Stephen mentioned you know prayers out to all of those families you know, you yeah, know just sure. people just people in that community um, as a whole, because, you know, it, it impacts the whole community, right? It doesn't just impact, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those immediate families. So prayers to that community. But I think, you know, Mike mentioned a good point when he talked about numbness and I was having this conversation yesterday. Um, I think, you know, Mike touched on the policy element, but I think for me, I'm still in a digestion phase, right? You know, I'm still trying mm-hmm. to, to digest this, you know, cause I don't even think I had fully digested Buffalo. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. now this is, this is already here, but, you know, I was talking to to some of my friends uh, the other day just about how do you not become numb, but also, you know, live your life without, you know, always being paranoid that something's going to happen, right? We're not talking about being in the wrong place at the wrong time anymore. Mm-hmm. We're talking about being in school trying to learn. We're yeah. talking about being at the grocery store trying to to get essentials to, to live, right, to, to eat. Right. These are these are places where you should be. You should be able to to go shopping for milk and eggs and bread. You should be able to learn your multiplication tables and, you know, and things like that. So we're not talking about being in an alley somewhere, you know, where when you snow, we're talking about day to day tasks. And so I think for me, you know, it's it's finding that balance. And, you know, none of us have kids yet, but I, I can only imagine the thoughts that parents have. Right. How do yeah. you not become numb to something that continues to happen? But also, how do you allow your kid to to go to the playground and, you know, and just have fun and be a kid? How do you, you know, feel about your grandparents saying, hey, I'm going to the I'm going to the store and, and, not, and not worry until they get back home? Those are the things that that, you know, my mind is cycling sort of back and forth. And, you know, because of recent events, you know, how did how do you find how do you still live? How do you still live and, you know, enjoy the, the precious moments that we have without constantly looking over your shoulder, without, you know, constantly looking out the window, without constantly checking for the exits, because that's not living, you know? Um, so I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot to digest and a lot to think about, um, but it, it's tough. Yeah. I think for me personally, it's just been hard because I think, I feel like the same, I just feel like the same heaviness. I feel like the same. I feel like I look at those parents, man, and I just get sad, man. I get real sad for them. Cause I know, mm-hmm. like, if you know, it's, it's, I think when you grow up somewhere, right. I, and I, you know, I lived in Utah for most of my life. Like mm-hmm. kids are a large part of the community. Like they, you know, they're the ones doing the rec leagues. They're the ones putting on like, you know, the town play, you know, so if you're religious, you know, they're in the churches or the synagogue, you know, like they, if they grow up in that community, they be, literally become the community until they're in high school and they go off to college, something like that. Like they really are the building blocks of the, the community. You can't have community without kids. And I see something like this and I know it's, it's a devastating for the family, but it's also des- devastating for the community because, you know, they, they in part, they, you know, they're part of that village in the sense that raises that kid. They're part of, you know, the ones that throw on the, you know, the Easter egg hunt, the, 
the, you know, 4th of July cookout or whatever. And I think, you know, things like that are, or events like that, it just, you know, there's, I, it's just, I don't, I, I find it hard for like people to recover. Like, I think, I don't know if you know this core, I read this like literally two hours ago, they're saying the, the white, uh, the husband of one of the whites had a heart attack and died. Wow. The teachers. And they have four kids. And one of them was the one that died in the students. Now the mother's dead, the child's dead, and he's dead. And there's three kids. Like that, like my heart wrenches for that. And I just, I feel wow. so bad for the community in that regard. Um, and I'm not sure if message, I think I, I've digested it. I just, I'm just sitting with it more. So like, I see, like every minute more videos come out and like you learn about well, he was in there in an hour and police were just waiting outside or police engaged with him and then they kind of let him inside and parents were literally running in and getting their own kids because the police were going inside. Like you see all these things happening and you start to think like, you know, you know, who, you know, what's going on in this world? One from just to carry out these acts, but another when, you know, people kind of sit, look like they're sitting idly by when something's happening. Um, and I think that there was, there's frustration there's videos online of a lot of parents who are literally like screaming you know telling police y'all gotta go in there and go get those kids and you know the guy's in there 40 50 minutes and nobody's no one's really doing anything mm -hmm. um and i couldn't i couldn't imagine that my kid was in a in a in a school like that and somebody was inside of danger and people were outside just waiting for backup or god knows what i just i can't imagine that that feeling that you happen to lose your child so i just I really feel for the parents. Um, mm -hmm. I think, and even I'm still, I'm still thinking, when I think about this, I think about Sandy Hook again, because I know those parents are probably reliving their worst nightmares watching this happen to somebody else, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't want to harp on it too much because, you know, I, I can't deliver anybody policy and what to change. I think there are some pretty obvious solutions. Like Mike said, I think there's an unwillingness for people to make the compromise they need to make uh, due to financial gains. Um, I think, there's a lot, there's things in this world I could change if people are willing to sacrifice, but I, I've learned in my, my short life that that's something a lot of people aren't willing to do, so. Yeah, uh, yeah a, lot of, a lot of times it is the political will, whether they, whether they want to do it, sometimes mm -hmm. it all falls down to Absolutely. Know, balance everything else. I think it just makes me angry. Oh, it, um, it frustrates me. I'm trying to keep it poised, but I'm <laughs> like, I'm sad at this, if you know what I'm saying. I can't keep it poised. I have a lot of energy inside of me. Um, it just, I don't think evil should win like this, you know, as often as it does. I feel like, mm -hmm. like even the story about the, like, you know, I read, I read that story too, about the husband passing away from like a heart attack because his wife got killed. Um, you know, I just, like, even to the, to the point I made earlier, like, if this one person doesn't go and choose to do this, like, you know, they, they go on to live the rest of their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're a leader, like, you know, you, you have to, you have to have some type of responsibility and accountability to, you know, delivering a society where stuff like that doesn't happen. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, people chase power. Well, people. Politicians chase power to the point where they destroy everything else around them. As long as they have their money, as long as they have their position, as long as they, as long as their voters think they are some ideal live version of whoever they, how they pretend to be. Like, you know, that's all that matters to them. All right, I'm done. Absolutely. Nah, you good, you good, you good. I knew, I knew this was going to be a heavy topic. That's why I, I, mean, I told you before you came to file like that. It's it just sits in my mind, like you know, I forget, I wouldn't forget about prior, but like hour goes by and it just clicks in my head. I think about something else. So again, rest in peace to the families, mm -hmm. um, and the community of uh, Uvalde. I hope I'm saying that correctly, Texas, because um, I know it's going to be um, an uphill battle, and I really hope the community um, can come together for these families. Um, moving forward, or uh, switching gears in this. Uh, case. Uh, the topic today is work-related, uh, the ideal employee. Um, so I, me and Corey, I mean, we're all three in different workspaces. I always, it's always interesting to see how people think they're viewed inside the workplace, not necessarily in a bad way, but like how they view themselves and of course amongst the contemporaries in their work culture. So like my first question for y'all is, do you believe you're held in high regards like people who've been your managers in the past? And I guess, do you feel like you've left positive impressions on places you've been at before? Um, yes and yes. <laughs> not sure answer. Said, yes, said, yes, what yes. else would it be? <laughs> I mean, for I me, mean, for for real. Um, but no, I mean, I'll say not to give a, that simple answer, but I'll say that 
I, I agree. I think that without being arrogant, like I think they will lose positive impact because I tend to be that type of impact when I work with people. Um, I get really into my role, um, whatever the role description title is, you know, I mean, of course, a role is, no matter what description is, it's going to be different, you actually get there, but, you know, I try to be a star in my role, I try to be a team player, I try to tell people, like, my personal leadership is positive servant leadership, like, you know, positive in terms of, like, creating a culture, but servants in terms of, like, we're here to do a job in service of a whatever population, or whatever our bigger yeah. goal is, and so we have to make sure in order for us to do that as individuals, as a team, you like, you know, we have to be like, you know, we have to be efficient. We have to be frictionless. We have to be communicative, like, you know, and, you know, we have to be able be willing to support each other, even through the, you know, we all been through the tough, the tough stretches during projects or deadlines and, you know, everybody's sweating, everybody at late night, everybody putting in the extra hours, you know, we don't talk about that type of, you know, extra grind culture, but it happens. Um, and through all of that, like, you know, we have to make sure that we're all still like, like we have to make sure we're still connecting on the human level, like and supporting each other. So, uh, I go out of my way to be that type of team player, type of person in my work environment to ensure that we can reach our goals collectively. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm in. I sound like I'm in a damn interview. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why should you work here? Like, <laughs> record and play that interview. Thanks. What was the original question, Stephen? I guess hey, my, so. I'd be trying my fault. Now nah, you good, bro. <laughs> The original question is, your do your past do you feel like your past managers like hold you in high regard? Like, do you think you've left either past and current, I guess, managers? Do you think that there's like if someone else asks about you from a work perspective, do you think you're going to get like it's like oh yeah, Corey, bang bang bang, or is it like Corey like boom boom boom? Like what 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 is it? I guess in your in your perspective, of course, it's our perspective, so it's probably going to be good for the most part, but. Just your like, how do you think you've like left the impact in those spaces? Um, I would say so for for the most part. Um, I think you know they would you know talk about work ethic, you know the abilities to and sort of desire to take on new projects, um, to you know fill open space to you know try to help out where I can. Uh, I would definitely think you know from, I think one of the areas where I tend to be the strongest is like communication. So I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, entry level professionals or, you know, just getting your foot in the door, I think a lot of times, you know, professional communication, whether it be in emails, whether it be in, you know, presentations that you might give to higher level management, stuff like that. I think, you know, that's where a lot of people separate themselves. And so, you know, fortunately for me, you know, public speaking has always been a strong suit. You know, I've learned early on how to communicate, you know, via email and, you know, I am and, you know, stuff like that in a professional manner. So I think the, the little things like, like that um, add to professional and leadership development, I feel like on my end, um, that makes it seem like I might be a little bit more seasoned than I, than I actually am when it comes to, to my experience level. So I definitely think, you know, work ethic, uh, communication and leadership are, are areas where I stand out. Um, but I think, you know, there's always, you know, room to say, hey, you know, you know, take on, you know, some of these extracurriculars that have, don't have nothing to do with your job responsibilities. And I think, you know, for me trying to find that balance um, early in my career in a remote environment is, I think, where I'm struggling at a little bit, because, you know, as it comes to, we talked about it before, you know, employee resource groups and, you know, those things, they don't meet as often, right? Because where, yeah. where a lot of people are remote and hybrid and, you know, on, and, you know, some people are on site still. So, I think, you know, finding ways to get involved outside of daily responsibilities is probably for me a struggle, but I think it's just a natural struggle for, you know, folks in the office of the future, uh, you know, trying to find to find their voice. Okay, I see what you're saying. I feel like I can definitely agree with you. I think the work ethic, I think that's probably the one thing I've heard consistently from any manager I, I've had. And I think it's probably because I think the first time I had like any type of internship or job, my dad <laughs> had told me like, make sure you do all the work and you finish it in half the time they told you it's going to take. And so I kind of like tried to, especially when I was younger, when things of course are a little bit easier when you're an intern than when you're full time, adopt the mentality like, okay, I got this. Um, they're probably thinking it's going to last me until Friday. Let me see if I can get it done by like Wednesday. And then when I had it done by Wednesday, let them know like, hey, I got hands free to work on something else Thursday or Friday. Um, and so I try to, I think, maintain that because I think one thing that people always look 
at our generation as being, I guess, like lazy or something or not willing to work and stuff like that. And I think I like to disprove a lot of those theories that people have of like young people, people our age. And so I think that's probably the, probably the most consistent thing you would hear is just work ethic and always trying to take on new projects. And if I don't know something, I guess I'm going to learn it via Google. I'm going to go sit down with somebody at the company and we do a one-on-one -on -one meeting and they tell me what they know and they work on it with me. But I try to figure it out. Um, I try to leave that impression. So that's that's me at the very least. And I think y'all, I already know y'all be grinding hard. So that's nothing. Uh, my second question though, um, and this is more, I guess, of a work culture type of question you could say is how often, let's let me frame it like this. How often do you find yourself kind of like putting your head down and doing your work versus like challenging some of the processes that your company or your employer gives. So for example, like, you know, they're using X, Y, Z, I guess Mike's way, they're using X, Y, and Z schematics or databases and stuff like that. And you see there might be an issue. How much are you willing to just work through it and just do it versus like ask questions, I guess be critical of some of the things that your employer does. Mm, I don't think- I'll, I'll ask, you, Oh, go ahead, Mike. Okay, my fault, you linked up. Um, no, I just, um, I think a lot of it depends on your super or whoever is your direct supervisor or mm -hmm. the kind of relationship you have in the workplace too. Because I could say like, oh, oh, in my experience, like I always so like to answer your first question, first part of your question, I always put my head down, and get work done. I mean, no matter how terrible it is, like you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work with what with what you got. Even if you don't like it, if you don't like the style, if you don't like the whatever you're doing, the golden scheme, whatever, like you gotta do it. You know? mm -hmm. uh, we we need it done. There's deadlines and things coming up. Um, but I feel like I've I've definitely found space to express my thoughts and questions um, with my supervisor or coworkers or co colleagues, you know, in different spaces. It just depends on what the space is, because um, like you know, every course, like whether whether you're in person, remote, like per being professional is being professional. Like you know, if, mm -hmm. if you're in the meeting, we're going to focus on what we got to do. If we got we got agendas, we got stuff to do. Um, but generally, like I would just try to take time to just. You know, have those human conversations. Just ask, what do you think about this? How are you doing here? Like, you know, this process. I'll definitely, I'll definitely just bring it up. Just I always bring. I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing up questions or ideas about what we're doing or how we're doing it. Um, it's not like we're we're gonna you know demand our boss to solve these issues right here, <laughs> right, now, right here now. You know, but but the conversation is always helpful. And I feel like our superiors kind of welcome that kind of constructive um, feedback on just the overall like uh, I. Uh, Sorry, fumbling my words. The overall process of the organization, like what's yes. going on. Apologize for the fumble. Are you good? Yeah, no, I think um, to Mike's point, you know, my head is always, always down working, um, always down grinding. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a question person. I like trying to understand processes, you know, how they work, you know, what the, where these things are going, you know, what are the inputs that are, that are taking place? And I think, you know, for the most part, we all work in industries where efficiency and productivity are, are vital elements. And so I think, you know, our managers and supervisors are always looking for process improvements um, to, you know, increase speed, increase accuracy, right? Increase efficiency. And I think that's just a natural element when it comes to, you know, trying to manage headcount and manage labor costs, you know, for businesses as a whole. So for me, I'm actually encouraged to try to find process improvements um, a lot of the times. Because, you know, again, that helps with overall bottom line. So um, it's it's pretty normal in, in my day-to-day -day work to look for things like that. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it, it probably is, uh, that probably reigns true. Okay. That's interesting. I feel like I definitely, I think I'm much more of the put your head down work. Some to Mike said in terms of like the work that I get done regardless. I think as I've gotten older, I've been more comfortable asking questions and challenging things necessarily and asking why people do things the way they do. Um, and I think as I found, like, when you ask those questions, sometimes people don't even know why they're doing the things they do. It's just things that were done before they got there or they've been doing it for so long they kind of stuck with it. Um, and I think I'm, I'm just more willing to just poke people's brains and say, is there an alternative way to do this better? Um, but I think a lot of the time, especially when I start something early, I kind of just put my head down and work largely because I feel like sometimes you just got to earn your stripes when you're working with a company or a team. 
And I've seen individuals who come in and try to just start ripping things apart to what they think it should be. And there's a lot of, depending on what type of industry you work in, there's a lot of butting up heads. I know like in programming, um, you know, a senior developer, like if you come in and you think you're running something, you're going to be butting heads with them in every meeting. There's a lot of strong-minded personalities in developing work, people who you almost kind of have to like trick them into understanding what you're saying or what you want to be done, unfortunately. And so it can be a bit tough, but I think if you just show you have a level of work ethic, I think, or just a willingness to get things done at some other people, I think there's always a avenue for suggestions, but I'm definitely more like heads down, you could say. Um, but follow-up question to that, I guess this goes more into the relationships at work per se. Um, how often, or if you do at all, have conversations around what some will consider, I guess, unprofessional conversations at work. So talking about uh, religion or talking about politics or talking about like salary, things that aren't like, I guess, like standard workplace conversations, you could say. Um, does that happen at all? Do you get to that level of comfortability with your coworkers to have this conversation? Um, I think that's why I literally brought it up at the beginning as an area for growth. Um, mm -hmm. Not because, you know, I don't, I wouldn't be open to, to those, you know, in certain circumstances, but just because working remote, those are sort of, you know, out the window mm -hmm. um, because now it becomes, you have to schedule this time to try to have casual conversations. And so it's automatically not casual anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think I've definitely struggle with it. I'm sure every, uh, a lot of other folks that are working remote and, you know, working uh, certain hybrid type roles are struggling with just having casual conversations. Now I'm never one to bring up, I don't, I think Steven mentioned it before, you know, from his father's advice, the, the religion, the politics, yeah. you know, and those types of mm -hmm. conversations. And so I, I tend to stay away from those, but just in terms of, you know, did you see the game last week? Uh, yeah. you know, those types of casual, you know, can you tell me the restaurants in the area, like those types of casual conversations, even those are, are tough because, you know, now you need to cold call when it comes to emails and, you know, find people that might be, you know, geographically located near you, or, you know, you might need to, you know, see somebody at a presentation that you like what they said and, you know, send them a, a Teams message or something like that, or a Slack message. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just becomes less casual by nature uh, because of the, the remote working environment. So that's definitely an area for growth. And I think that'll just naturally come about as I'm back in the office, because I like to think of myself as a pretty personable person, you know, you know, shaking hands, starting conversations, mm -hmm. meeting new folks, but that, you know, element of the workplace has sort of been removed. And I think, you know, companies have tried to do a, a really good job to replace it. But I think, you know, you can never fully replace something like that. So mm -hmm. um, I'm interested to see how the Office of the Future will continue, um, especially for newer professionals to, to try to make those connections, because I think that's how you build the bonds, right? Yeah, you could talk about work all day, but I think it, until you start talking about, hey, you know, how were the kids soccer game last week, you know? Um, hey, did you see this movie or this TV show or, or whatever it is that you find that connection point? I think those are the relationships that tend to last, you know, beyond this current role, beyond this current position, beyond this, you know, six months or a year. So um, it'll be interesting to see, definitely. Yeah, I definitely don't have those conversations at work, usually after work too. Um, mm. Similar to y'all, you like, you know, those are, those are spaces that have those real end-up conversations. Um, and my experiences in different workplaces, like as much as you can when you're on the clock, like Corey said, like we try to be as efficient as possible. Like, you know, we, if you if we in the meeting and we done talking, like we can be ending it early, get your time back, like, you know, uh, be like, you know, not like in the hard labor turn away, but just starting to like, you know, we want to make sure that we're getting things done and we're being productive thing, like every second that we can while we're, while we're on the clock. Um, I love, I mean, I mean, we're all on the podcast. I know we all like talk, but like, you know, I do that. <laughs> but I love having those deep conversations with all, all my coworkers. I just, I just like getting to know people mm -hmm. as well. Also, those, those really, relationship building, personal relationship building is just a habit of mine. I just like to be able to know people better, help me navigate you, um, learn your communication style, learn like, you know, your ups and downs, you know, what buttons you got to push sometimes, you know, like to, to work together well. Um, 
And it just reveals a lot about the people that you're kind of interacting with day in and day out. Like, you know, I hate, I, I hate working with strangers. I don't see why we got to be all distant and just be, yeah. you know, coworkers. Like, we can, we all got to be friends, but we can definitely be a little bit more uh, than just colleagues. <laughs> like, you know, let's open up a little bit. Like, you know, let's, uh, if we, we can get along during the workspace. Like, I don't see why, you know, we can just converse over, like, you know, what do we think about the, what's going on in the world um, and stuff like that. So even though I advocate for it, I do think if you have, like, you know, Coworkers you're going to be working for an extended period of time with, you're not like in a high turnover place or um, mm -hmm. more like, you know, like uh, other jobs. But it's definitely worth to have those conversations and just be opening up. And we've not, I know a lot of people don't like that though. I know a lot of people don't like to like be as open with their coworkers. They don't, they, some people don't think that they should um, have those type of relations too, which is also an interesting perspective. And nothing wrong with, about that either. No, definitely not. Um, I'll say very, very, very rarely. Uh, one, because I think, I don't know, and I don't know if y'all see this too. I feel like being a black employee, there's kind of like this hesitancy to talk about certain things. And I don't, I don't say that in a good or bad way, but I think it's just one of those things where people walk a, a, a thinner line. And I can't remember what happened. Something happened recently um, at work where like, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, but I think Oh, I remember. There was this guy at my work who wears like a, a Marvel shirt, and one of the characters was Black Panther, but he didn't know it was Black Panther because it had. If you know the comic books of Black Panther, he has the two horns. So you wouldn't really peep down unless you knew the comics. And so yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, cool, Marvel shirt. And then he was asked about two different people. Like, I don't know who this person is, who this person is. I'm like, oh, that's Scarlet Witch, and that's Black Panther. And he and I could tell he kind of got a little plush. Was like he didn't know Black Panther. It's like, oh man, it's gonna be, I don't know Black people or something. He, he said it out loud, like casually. I could tell he was kind of nervous even saying that. But I was just like, well, if you didn't read the comics, you won't know Black Panther. I promise you, I don't think you're racist. But like, it was just funny. Like, <laughs> like it's just those like small interactions where I feel like people are sometimes just hesitant. But no, nah, I don't. I think so much core. I definitely do have more. I think casual conversations. Like I try to like you know. You know, how's the kids or like, you know, what's good food spots around here or like, you know, I'm walking by and dudes are talking about football and I'll find a way to hop into the conversation for five or 10 minutes. But working remote, like Corey said, definitely makes that difficult. Like I, I have, I think only like one or two people at work where like they will like ping me like, oh, you did you see this Premier League soccer game last Saturday? And we'll like, ha ha kiki about it. It's not really a call. It's just kind of like messaging. Mm -hmm. It's like really weird, I feel like, to impromptu call somebody. And if you're remote, right, let's say like there's, um, because they did this during COVID, like the cocktail type hours or whatever, where like bring your own drink and you drink. Uh, and the thing about those, which were, you know, good and they were nice kind of like break from just being remote. It's like, you're all really having one conversation, right? Because you can't really like leave the space type of thing where if like you're in a big room, you guys are all in the room, but like I'm having a conversation with Corey over here. Mike's having a conversation with Luke or somebody over there and like mm -hmm. we can like come and go in a conversation and have private conversations but like when you're in like remote space it's like okay we're in this space what do we all want to talk about I and mean, we can only all talk about something for so long when it's like all right I want to talk to Kimberly about this or I want to talk to like Janae about that like it's always like just mm -hmm. you know you always want to have the one-on-one -on -one networking learning people and it's kind of hard to do that in those big group settings so I definitely understand the difficulties surrounding that. Um, and I'll ask a, one final question. This is a quick question and very easy. Would you hire you? Yes. Okay. Mm. No, I think I would. Man, I'm gonna hire me with a bonus, signing bonus, extra bonus. Um, stock I'm, I'm heavily recruited. I'm heavily recruited. Heavily recruited. Hey, like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> If you're right. the hope you I hope you will hire yourself too. Yeah, you got. If you can't, if you, you don't think you hire yourself, then we got to reflect on why you wouldn't hire yourself. We got to re-answer those first three questions. You got to start some kind. Of, you got to start some, some your own conversation with yourself at that point. Right. Yeah, my phone, be, my phone ringing off the hook. If I'm hiring me, hello, did you get our <laughs> message yesterday? Um, did you, did you get our email? Did you get our offer sheet? Do you did you <laughs> like it? Do you need any improvements? Where do you think is there gaps with your other offers? Where did they lie? Like, for sure. All right, that was a great, that was a great conversation. Uh, switching gears into plug a plug. This week we have official 86 West. So those of you who do not know official 86 West, it is a perfume brand. 
Um, they make perfume for women, and I believe they have some fragrances for men in terms of um, cologne. Excuse me. Almost lost that one off the top of my head. Um, you can find them at their website at www.86west.us, or you can find them on their IG at official86west. That is the numbers 86west, not the spelling of the actual word. Um, they have some pretty good stuff. Um, I think they're relatively a new brand, but I checked out some of their things and it looks like they're doing a good job. So I might cop some and let y'all know how it smells and we will see. Yeah, they got, they make some really good fragrances for men, it looks like. So I'm going to check it out. I'm, I'm going to make a purchase. I'm going to let y'all know how, how it smells. All right. And now we have... <laughs> got past the ox um who is leading the way today we have no i'm, I'm a, i'll go because y'all both got r&b i just remember so i'll let y'all get into y'all smooth r&b first um my song uh i got a song i, I, I kind of heard the song by mistake i think it was just playing on a playlist um and it's biologic um for those of you who know, I like Mixtape Logic, not the biggest fans of some of his albums. They don't really hit the same to me personally. Uh, but this song reminded me of Mixtape Logic. Uh, so this song is called Vinyl Days, Logic, DJ Premier. featuring DJ Premier. I fucking love that beat. That beat's fire to me. And I like the snippets at the end when he took uh, Joey Bass's voice from I Want to Think It Was Off. Damn, I just forgot it now. It's one of the mixtapes. It's not 1999. It's the one after that. Summer Nights. The, 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 whatever song he did with DJ Premier, I can't remember the name of my song. I'm terrible. But yeah, make sure you check that out. Go Project by Logic. Um, which one of y'all want to go next? word um i will go next um i got a song came across it uh last week um the artist is a newer artist that i haven't checked out too much yet but i'm definitely going to check check out now now that i've heard this song but the song is called lately by eli derby and black Got your lines rehearsed. We 
we was on the same way Who told you to change things? I thought we was gang, gang Used to slide through with the dang thing Fucking up your band, yang Turned you to my main Yeah, so They don't got history like we do Don't got that chemistry like we do They don't got history like we do No, no Who's that on your lime, love? Yeah. Heard you got a new best friend Spend a hell of time lately I'm not the only one that you invest in Why you gotta go so soon? Running only makes things worse Oh, you've been steps ahead lately Feels like you got your lines rehearsed We had a lot of fun Tough. Um, lately, Eli Derby, Black. Make sure y'all check that out. I remember the song Unorthodox featuring DJ Premier Joey Badass. I couldn't let that slide. Shout out to Joey Badass. I won't come in June 17th. I think Joey coming. I think Boogie said he dropping soon. Yeah. I don't think he released a date, but it should be a, a dope summer for, for lyricists. I'm a baby dropping. When he dropping? He has some time in July. Okay. Not, well, I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> as far as him being a lyricist, but uh, yeah, he's dropping too. So yeah, summer should be hot. For sure. I'm nervous about Joey. Excited because it's called 2000. And the way he explained yeah. the album was, it was, it was, I like the way he explained He had like a little 36, 30 second, 36 second clip. It was like dude skateboarding through the park, and he was saying that 1999 was him coming up age. 2000 is supposed to be him as an adult and kind of reflecting on his life thus far. Mm. Um, on, on his on his not shit. <laughs> yeah. And so how I, how old how old is Joey now? He's like 27. Okay. Remember, so, yeah, I thought I thought yeah. he, we were similar, close in age. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he dropped the classic mixtape when we were like 14, <laughs> like 13. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. But my bad, Mike. You go ahead. No, he, he, yeah, that's strange. He definitely is in our generation. <laughs> um, so I found this song. I know she's her song been doing rounds on TikTok, the hours and hours song. Um, yes, it has. Muni Long, yeah. It plays uh, in the club uh, too, Mike. It plays in the club. I seen it. I seen the old heads get excited, bro. I seen the old heads get excited. <laughs> it's, a nice, it's a nice song. I ain't gonna lie. The tempo is nice. Uh, so I got another one of her recently released singles. Uh, this song is called Another. They want me ready to commit to all my needs. I wanna stick it out with you. I'm gonna break it down for you. I hope you're listening. Ain't gonna say it again. This is what I want. I just want more love. I want you to kiss on me and touch on me and rub. I want trips around the world. Going somewhere every weekend. Cause I love the time that we spend I like her. Um, I thought her flow was very good. I think the flow is very underrated in R&B. Um, her delivery on that song was fantastic. Um, so again, that's another by I hope it's Muni Long. I'm sure that's how you pronounce it. I apologize. Yeah, I apologize if yeah. that's wrong. Um, but yeah, it was a good ass song. Look, some good music this week. I like that. All the way around, good music. Good music every week after dinner conversations, man. Yes, there we sir. go. I like that. We, I like, we, yeah, I like we don't that got energy. no buzz. We don't bring buzz. You know, we just, we just compete amongst ourselves. My man. Love that. Audience can't go. forget. We, we got playlists out there, too, on uh, for music and Spotify, too, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Pass It Off's Volume 4 coming soon. Coming soon. Yep. Coming soon. 
Yeah. So make sure y'all check out one, two, and three. In the meantime, I know it's summertime. I think all of them got some summer anthems on there uh, for you to for check for you to check out. So volume one, two, and three, Apple Music, Spotify. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, Apple Music, any podcast stream, excuse me, Apple Podcast, any other podcast streaming platform on Instagram at AD Convos. Again, on Instagram at AD Convos. Submit your table talk questions. Uh, we love to answer those and get some audience engagement. Um, but until next time, um, we'll talk to y'all later. For sure. And before we go, make sure y'all stream Destiny's new song, Brown Sugar, Apple oh, Music, yes. Spotify, everywhere we go. We'll probably play play a little bit of it next week. Uh, give y'all mm-hmm. a sneak little peek. Album coming soon. She, she finally coming back. New tape coming soon. Yes, there sir. we go. All right, peace. Peace.